What is up, Rejoiner Nation? Welcome back to another edition of Rejoiner's Live, our 39th episode. We are quickly approaching our midlife crisis. This episode tonight was Lee Connor and Carmel Orogi, and I probably butchered that last name, but I gave it my best shot. These two finished the Blood Rock 100 this past weekend. Lee was the women's champion, winning with a time of 29 hours, 31 minutes. And Carmel completed her second 100 miler on one of the hardest courses on the East Coast. We are super excited to sit down with these two. So sit back and enjoy. What is up, Ridge Runner Nation? We are back with another episode of Ridge Runners Live, this time featuring Lee Connor and Carmel Olrogi. They both recently raced the Blood Rock 100, a truly gritty Appalachian 100 miler with more than 26,000 feet of elevation gain. And yes, you heard that number right. Lee took home the victory for the women and came in sixth overall, while Carmel ran just her second ever 100 miler, came in 23rd overall, good for the fourth woman across the finish line. We are so stoked and grateful to have what might be the toughest power culprit in uh, ultra running on our show tonight. It's going to be a really good one. Lee and Carmel, welcome to the show. How are y'all doing? Oh, good. You pronounced my name right. (laughs) We're good. We're good. We're recovering, you know, beer and food all week. All right. That's great to hear. And it's also great to hear that I did pronounce your name right. I did have to practice that before the show. Um, If y'all don't know, my name is Cam Wrench. I'm the sixth man of Ridge Runner Nation. Our other host tonight is John Dolovacki III. JD, how are you doing tonight? I am doing fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy to be back on a live show. It's been a while since I've been on the show with you. Um, but let's kick it over to our guests and our favorite activity of the night, which is what are we drinking? So what are you drinking, Lee? Elvis juice. We're both drinking the same thing. Elvis mm. juice. Uh, uh, it is a delicious grapefruit IPA. It's almost a sports recovery beverage. Almost? It's got fruit in it. Well, it's fruit. I've got fruit. It's a recovery beverage. Yeah, I would. Right? Yeah, I totally agree with that. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. been useful too. We're definitely we're definitely fans of that kind of logic um, over here, and so with all that said, y'all recently ran this huge race down in Alabama. Um, so first things first, congratulations on finishing Lee, obviously first and Carmel finishing fourth place. Um, let's jump right into our questions tonight and take us a little bit through your pre-race training, or as we talked a little bit before the show, the lack thereof. (laughs) (laughs) Would you want to go with that? Uh, okay. So there was no racing because pandemic. So Carmel had a schedule of escalating races starting at 30 K back in like March, which canceled. Because yeah, I she's had this neat little plan of uh, new to stepping ultra. it up, but they, they all canceled. Everything got canceled. <laughs> and then I, I ran Orcas Island 100 in February, which actually it's about the same amount of climb as Blood Rock, except it was colder and wetter. So it was good preparation, except then there was this huge gap during which I forgot that if you're not racing, you should actually train. <laughs> so there wasn't really training. And then we went to Shawnee Hills and we both DNF. Did not care because we both had trench foot. That was in August. And then the bear, and then no business, and then this. So we're like kind of trained up by learn by doing, but uh, not really a whole ton of training. And then we had COVID and got over it about two and a half weeks before blood rock. So that interfered with training a little bit. Yeah, I think it's just when we were starting to recover from the last race, like 
I think it, the day I was like, oh, you know, I'm actually starting to feel good again. I actually can run again. It was like the day after that, this big COVID symptom started. So, um, yeah, we didn't know how this promo was going to go. <laughs> we really both thought we not. We didn't think we'd finish. Both of us were like running in the last month or so yeah. at all. <laughs> we both didn't really expect to finish, and we both did. So we're pretty happy. Yeah. We just like went with start slow and see how far we can get. Yeah. And eat. Mm-hmm. We ate <clears throat> on the nutrition. <laughs> All right. Well, it seems that that strategy really worked out for y'all. Um, my next question is how, um, describe a little bit your mental process, if there was one, feeling confident going into this race, you know, knowing that you had been using races to maintain your fitness instead of training, and then obviously just getting over COVID sort of right when most people would be starting their taper. Well, I had no confidence going into this race. I, I fully, yeah. I, I just, like we already had the travel plans and we had a friend who was doing it for her first 25 K and we were the emotional support. So we we're like, well, we got to go try. So actually no confidence. I had a pulled hamstring that I was not supposed to run the bear according to physical therapy because, mm-hmm. okay. So what had happened was my friend gave me a beer and then was like, you used to have a skateboard. Look, I have a skateboard. Can you still do skateboard <laughs> tricks? And then I landed at Ollie wrong and I pulled my hamstring and it's my own fault, but then I did not rest it. And then, so it's like just now getting all the way healed. So between that, not actually testing it enough and then not training and not knowing if fatigue and lungs were going to be an issue. I actually went into this with no confidence whatsoever. Like I limped out no business. I finished it, but I finished it seven hours slower than the year before. I just did it because you have to do it the other direction to get the other buckle. So I don't know if you all know about that, but it's a thing. It's a big circle. It changes directions every year until you complete it both directions. You don't get the special buckle. I don't have to want to have to wait another two years. So like I just walked the thing out. So coming into this, I had no, and then I had COVID in between, so I couldn't test anything or exercise. So I actually did not have any idea, but I figured I could show up and just stay on my nutrition and just take short steps and just see how far I would get. Yeah. Uh, same, same thing for me. I actually had uh, signed, I waitlisted for the bear and no business. And I was like number 200 on the waitlist for the bear. So I'm thinking, you know, there's no way this is going to happen. And I got off the waitlist for both of them on the same day. And those races, I think, were about like three or four weeks, three, three. or four weeks apart. So I did the bear, and that was my first 100-mile finish. But then uh, I tried to do no business a few weeks later, and it, it did not go well, as, as one might imagine. So, um, yeah, I DNF'd no business in October. And like she was saying, we haven't really been able to train since then. So I also had no no confidence going into saying like it was going to go. I think that helped the blood drop though. No, because there were people, there were injured people. Like, do you know who Jamila is? Great person. She runs everything. She dislocated, I think dislocated, maybe broke and dislocated her thumb landing on a rock during uh, blood rock and wound up dropping at the last checkpoint because of time. I think having a, I mean, it was completely dislocated, but she kept going. But so there were a lot of people with that kind of issue because it's so rocky. That if you're actually trying in the first like half of the race at Blood Rock to run, like you're like, oh, I'm gonna run, you get a time, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stay on this pace. You're going to hurt yourself. You're going to get injured. Like I think a lot of the people that dropped, there are people who drop because it is a difficult race, but there are a lot more people who drop because they were trying to run. And there's whole sections there where you need to stop trying to run and just walk and eat your snacks. Because if you try to run, it takes so much energy, and then it was so cold. Like it was, it was in the 30s overnight. So like you're just you need like 250, 300 calories an hour. But if you're trying to run, because noon starts, so here you are at night, still in your first half, trying to run this stuff, 
all you do is get a ton of injuries, trash your feet, and run out of all your calories, and the sun comes up, and you're like, done. And I think both of us were being so conservative because we're like, well, I don't know. So we're both like taking it easy, eating the snacks, just like trying to just survive as long as we can. And I think it actually wound up being an advantage because in the second half, I could actually run. It's like, oh, sun's up. It's light. (laughs) There's actually runnable sections in there. And I actually was able to run at a point when I think a lot of people had already gotten really, really damaged because, you know, you taper and it's so difficult to hold back early. Because, you know, you feel great. You, but we were both so nervous. I think we were more prone to holding back and that that was actually a huge advantage because that race just takes so long to do. I mean, it still took me 29 and a half hours. That's a long time for that place. I don't know if I've ever placed that high with that long a time. <laughs> except at Cru- Cruel Jewel. Cruel Jewel, I won it and it took me like 30 hours and something. But that's also a nightmare course. Like... Point only being, like, I think the holding back early and the lack of confidence actually wound up being a huge advantage Yeah. at that court. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you have anything to add to that, Carmel? No, I mean, I, I agree. I think it, it's funny how it works out where it's like if you're going overconfident, I don't know, it's just it's easier to overpace going in that way mm-hmm. versus going in feeling like, ah, I haven't trained and we'll see how this goes. So it was definitely a slower start and that did help in the in the long run to keep slugging it out at the end and my time was obviously significantly longer than hers but uh like i went into the second night um and so yeah it definitely helps to have started off slow and still have some go left at the end there yeah totally and so with that said let's dig uh a little bit more into the race itself lee you already described some of the terrain of this race right just being so rocky and gnarly and rooty down there um but with that said what do you think was the biggest challenge that both of y'all faced at this race the rocks no i think your trench foot was worse i didn't didn't get trench foot my feet were okay with the wet I think because mm-hmm. I've spent years running races with dumb amounts of wet, I used to get more trouble with it. Or just luck. Could just be dumb luck. But um, the footing, definitely the footing. Like you just, you know, you're trying to run, you step on things, and the things move. And I trained for that. But so I had to shorten my stride because it's still a healing hamstring. Course wise, though, just that there are places where there's ropes to hold on to, which is super great that there's ropes to hold on to. But when a, a course has 30 or 40 feet of ropes to hold on to, there's a reason they're there. And the reason is it's like this angle and there's rocks and there's mud. We actually got lucky though. Like it was supposed to rain in the first overnight and it did not. And that, it would have been, a, that would have been another couple hours added onto the time I think if we'd gotten a downpour. I mean, the rocks help you, almost help you when it's muddy because there's enough rocks to step on that there's no straight sheets of mud. But, ah, so the descents, when you're coming down something at this angle in the dark, when you've already been going for like 60 or 70 miles and you have to step down three feet to get your next step, you know, so you got to have all your weight on one leg and practically do a pistol squat at mile 77 of a hundred. It's, it's, it's rough. It's rough. You start like just holding on to random things and suddenly you grab some solid tree and the tree comes down with you and slide a little bit down the hill and you slide into that. So that, that I would say would be the challenge of that course. Uh, no, for me, I've, I'm just ongoing. I'm really prone to getting trench foot. And so that happened. That kicked in 
around 75 miles that started to get really bad for me. And so that put me out there way longer than I thought I was going to be, which eventually resulted in me crashing my calories horrifically bad. Um, yeah, ter terribly bad. So I, I ended up going into the second night then, and uh, my blood sugar was so crashed that, like, I, with all the rocks and everything, I um, I just was not coordinated, couldn't keep my balance properly. I kept falling down, like, getting to, like, one of the more technical areas of the course by Peline Falls. Did she say you, like, physically yeah, fall? Yeah, oh, yeah. I got, like, she got yeah, yeah, fall. yeah, yeah. I mean, like, it got so bad that, like, I just, it, because it was so technical and I kept falling, and I was like, well, if I keep falling in this area right here, you know, I'm going to hurt myself, die. So I actually got on my hands and knees to start crawling, like, through the rocks. And then our friend who came with us to this race, I guess the aid station was just, like, a mile away, and she'd been waiting there, so she decided to come look for me. It's funny because uh, she's, <laughs> give me, like, some background information. She's a, a new trail runner. And, you know, she comes to this race all prepared. She's got printouts of like maps of the course. She's got like, she's got, like, like a 25 like, kids. like a parking pass. Like where she's like, I printed the parking pass, guys. And we're like, what parking pass? You know, <laughs> she's like, and I think she's got like the race director's emails like printed out and stuff. Yeah. And then she's equally as prepared as far as these snacks go. So she's got like jelly beans and gummy bears, like all things that I don't normally eat. And for this whole trip, she's like, offering, you know, you guys want some gummy bears? You guys want some jelly beans? And I'm like, no, no, I don't. I don't want jelly beans. I don't want gummy bears. And so she comes and she finds me like basically crawling in the woods because my blood sugar's so crashed. She's like, do you want jelly beans? And I'm like, yes, yeah. She's like, what about gummy? I'm like, yeah, I want all of it. <laughs> and she doesn't eat sugar. All, all, all this candy that I've been like turning down the whole trip. Like, no, I don't want your gummy bears. No, I don't want. I'm like shoving it in this like <laughs> shoving it in my mouth like all at the same time. And she starts walking with me a little bit, and we walk like a few minutes. And she's like, "Are there any gummy bears left?" I'm like, "No, no, 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 no gummy bears, no gummy bears left." Oh, uh, oh, tell them about the unicorn. Oh, so that we get to the aid station, though, we get my blood sugar back up. But like, again, I'm just, I'm so tired at this point. Like, I mean, we're going on what time? It would have been 33 hours. Oh, I so think. Deidre collected me at the finish because she got there an hour after I finished. And then a couple hours after that, after I'd been drinking whiskey, then she's like, let's go find Carmel. I'm driving you to the last aid station. So we go to the aid station. So I'm hanging out, drinking further with the aid station people at the last, at the second to last and last aid station. It was the same thing. You hit it, you do a dumb loop and go, go, then go finish after hitting it a second time. So I'm just sitting there waiting for them to show up. So when they show up, I'm drunk. She's hallucinating, like hallucinatingly delirious. And our friend who's all not serious quite, is not like, quite yet, but I'm not with it. Like I'm definitely not, guys. not great. <laughs> so they sent her out with me as a safety runner, which was probably good at that point. Cause I'm not doing I so hot and I'm so tired. Like I was like falling asleep on my feet. So this for me was actually the first time that I was like, hallucin I'm like falling asleep while I'm like running. And it's like, it, oh, I'm just seeing, like, there are all these leaves in my headlamp on the ground and each leaf looks like it has like animals, like zoo animals on it and like unicorns and things like that. And poor Deidre, like, she's just, she's trying, you know, she's, are you coming? Are you coming? And like, at times I thought I was still running, but like I was, it would turn out that I was just standing there sleeping on my feet. So that last, what was that, like five miles, six, seven, uh, seven, seven miles. Seven. Yeah, that last seven miles so was just, it took how many hours did and that, that take? That, I think that took over five hours. It, 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 it took you just under five. Yeah, it, took it me was like two hours. That last section was just, I mean, I feel like I had a, a good race until about 85 miles. But then that last, that last bit was just, that was hard to get through. 
And at some point there was a sign didn't too. You, it didn't said, you say you were worried about unicorns and you heard your dead grandmother's voice? Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Was there okay. was all sorts of just weird, like I was like half asleep. So it's like, I'm like, like my dead grandma's like, no, it's okay. You just get to look at these things while you go to the finish line because I'm like half asleep while I'm running. Yeah, then at some point there's a sign that says like 1.6 miles to the cabins, which is really which oh, is right. oh, there's there's yeah. signs in this course that tell you distances, but they're like park signs. Park signs, not so the park signs. sign tells you how far to the thing that's named the thing of your next aid station. This is not the distance to the aid station, and this is challenging mentally and emotionally because you're like, oh, good, 1.6 miles. An hour and oh, a half yeah. later, <laughs> when you get. To the aid station what the fuck yeah it was the worst tease of ever like you know, i see the sign i'm like 1.6 miles and i'm like in a good mood now and waking up and i'm like here we go and and like i think a couple hours more went yep. by and it's like where is it where is it like it's just just blackness yeah, no sign in, like, like stopping to listen there's no noise there's no lights there's no anything and it's like 1.6 miles not 1.6 miles so yeah that last segment was just it was brutal. That was definitely the hardest I've experienced yet with any of the The only thing about the last segment is there's no road crossings. You're like up on a ridge and you're on, there's no other way to go. You can like try to bail out down the side of the ravine and die, or you can follow the trail till the end. So at least it's not like there's an out. So it's horrible. It's miserable. You think you're losing your mind, but there's no outs. You know what I mean? Like, there's no other aid stations. There's no way you can drop. There's no way to bail out. So you just pretty much have to keep going or lie on the ground and die. These are the only options. (laughs) Some pretty extreme options, but that works. (laughs) That's that's literally it. Like, if you talk to other people, like, I had a couple other friends Mm -hmm. in the race. I'm like, yeah, that's it. And they're like, yeah, I considered the lie on the ground and die option. But (laughs) it's so cold. The wind was so cold. I thought it would take too long to die. So I just try to go faster to stay warm. I mean, this is how you get the last seven miles of the race. That's pretty much how it went for most people. Because you're up on this ridge and there's just this sideways wind and it's like 37 degrees, maybe, generously. And it didn't rain, but the air is damp. You know what I mean? Where there's a high dew point. Yeah. Like it just gets mm-hmm. to the bone. But it's not, if you have on layers, it's not cold enough to actually immediately freeze and die. So you'd have to lie on the mm-hmm. ground for like an hour or two shaking before you would, you know, pass out from it. So it'd be really miserable. So you might as well just keep going. That's the most so positive way I've ever heard to look at that. <laughs> so sign up. It's a good time. <laughs> oh, it was a very sweet finish, though. Like, the, finishing no, a race the, the like that. Was was just, it was beautiful. It was. It was a nice moment. Okay. Yeah. Nice, it was clear. Oh, the moon like, was out. Yeah. And then the beautiful finish line lit up and just, so yeah, I mean, it, it just adds to, it adds to the accomplishment. So it was, it was a fun course, though. I, I enjoyed it. I'd like to try. I'd actually like to do it again. Um, once I, I'm hopefully going to get this trench foot thing figured out. I'm starting to do a bunch of research and whatnot, but I really think it, that would have knocked about five hours off for me. It would have been interesting to see how she it would have gone without do that. What down the road? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Did yeah, we so we'll were see. doing that other thing in February? Yeah, but Blood Rock's not in February. I'm talking about like in a year or two, <laughs> like you know, down the road. But yeah. Yeah, we, we, no, we're already planning our next one. We're the Outlaw, Outlaw 100. Oh, I asked people, and they said it's as rocky as Blood Rock. I even found a guy that's run them both, and I think he's DNF'd one or the other of them, or both, and also finished, and he said it's really close to even. <laughs> so we found more fun things. It inspired yeah. us. We're like, we're rocking courses. <laughs> so we shall see. <laughs>
But we both like technical, so it's, um, it sounds like y'all had a lot of fun out there. Um, I wish I was there to witness some of this last <laughs> H station loops. Remember my original race goal? My original race goal was to try to PR number of shots of whiskey drunk during a hundred mile. Oh, she did fail that. I did fail because uh, there was a lot of leftover whiskey. Because so I dropped bag in preparation for this, assuming that I would be hiking and taking like forty something hours because I thought I was going to be too bad off. But also, I'm really stubborn, so I figured I could always hike it out. That's 44 hours is a long cutoff. Mm-hmm. So I prepared myself with enough caffeine and huge amounts of calories and also whiskey. Under the assumption that starting about mile 55 or 60, I would just start drinking whiskey. And I drank, like, I think four shots. That was it. Because, so no business is still my PR for that. I had, like, ten shots during no business, during which I did hike out the entire night because I could not run because fried hamstring. But it's now recovered pretty much. But yeah, that was the, my original goal of Blood Rock. I forgot about that. Was to try to PR amount of whiskey drunk during a hundred mile, because if you're just hiking, then what the hell? You might as well drink the whole time. I feel like you're on another level, and I just need to step up my game. <laughs> yeah, I did not. That, that's not been my experience at a race yet. But, but you, you got know. to space. You, know, you got to space them out and alternate it with caffeination and tums so that you don't throw it up. Okay. You have, you have to put tums in. Like mm-hmm. 20 minutes for each shot, you put in a Tums. Okay. And then you got to also pay attention to wear off because I'm mm-hmm. sure you've been to a bar. Yes, of course. <laughs> and you know that once you get a, like you can't, you can't be like, oh, it's an hour drive home. I'll sober up at one mm-hmm. in the morning because no, you will pass out behind the wheel. Like you might be sober, but you're going to fall asleep and wreck your car anyway. Mm-hmm. You got to just drink near home or drink mm-hmm. at your friends. Like you can't because you get tired. Mm-hmm. You can't let it wear off. Well, it's still dark out. You have to, and you have to keep caffeinating. It won't make you sober, but it will keep you conscious, which is important. Okay. Really important. So, but I had these caffeinated mints, and everything mm-hmm. timed out. And Tums to my stomach, so it wouldn't respond badly. It's great. Mm-hmm. Super fun. It was, but then I was doing well, and I was like, "Well, shit!" Everybody, like everybody, slowed down in front of me, and all of a sudden I was doing well. I was like, "Well, I guess I can't get drunk. I'm gonna have to really actually try and sports." I tried and sports instead. But I still had a little bit of whiskey because they had like they had like Woodford in an aid station. I kid you not. An aid station volunteer mm. gave me gave me an ounce of Woodford to drink, which I don't know if any of you all are bourbon drinkers. It's good stuff. Yeah. Woodford is quality. Like that's not mm-hmm. something usually you get Fireball or yeah. Evan Williams or something mm-hmm. like that. Like you can't actually turn down Woodford though. Like that's just not even ethical. I don't know uh, if I could turn I mean, that fire. Like <laughs> you can't turn that down. So, um, oh wow, a, yeah, this is an amazing story of this of this how this went down. Um, <laughs> one of the aspects about this show that we enjoy so much is the is the live interaction with the audience, right? So, we got a couple questions for you coming in from the from the chat. And our first one is from Nick Voss, and he wants to know how long did both of you run together, and what was the conversation like when you decided to move ahead, Lee? Or did you run together at all? Uh, oh, during the race? No, yeah. we don't run together. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, no, we don't run together during races. No. We saw each other we on the out and back we, a couple yeah, times. So like, like, hey. I got a mid-race kiss, but, like, you know, yeah, we, 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 we don't run together. Really, no, we don't. We're just different timing. No, we each run our own race. Yeah. We are not, we're not there to be, like, like, we're super sweet the rest of the time. We're both there to do our sport. Nice. Plus, she's content to run all night completely alone and does not care. I end up. I ran most of the night with a friend of mine, my friend Michael, who was at the race. Mm-hmm. We finished right next to me, almost. I think we finished within seconds of each other. Yeah. And uh, but we weren't. We were together off and on. But no, she just 
she's content to run by herself. We both do our own thing. Neither of us wants to speed up or slow down on somebody else's thing. Yeah, I mean, if we happened to get the point that we were timing together on something for, for some reason, then that would be fine. But I don't want her. Oh, she's faster than me. I don't want her waiting for me. And you know your controversial ultra running opinion? What? Oh, I make people mad I mean, at me. I, okay, <laughs> she's going to make people super mad. She says, what is this crew stuff? She's new to ultras. What is this with having That's crew? It's like new. it's like bumper bowling. What the hell? There's <laughs> nothing about that. I just don't feel that they should be in this category. I don't feel like a crew and a somebody who's crude and paste. <laughs> I don't feel like I somebody who's crude and paste should be in the same category as somebody who's not. Like for me, I like part yeah. of it is is managing. I want to see Western states with no crew and no pacers. So I just for don't think that. I think there should be two separate categories. Oh yes, yeah. I, I'm not knocking anybody who does it. It's just such a different. I think experience, like you, you no, I you're not, you're not managing as, as you're not managing yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's just it's different. Somebody who's not is is mm-hmm. managing a little bit more. So I just don't think that the times, you know, that they should be kind of like scored the same, mm-hmm. essentially. But looking at times, so that's all. It's interesting because I mean, FKTs do the same thing. There's there's supported and unsupported versions of those times. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's an no, I would point. love to see Western states done. With nobody in the top 20 allowed to have any crew or pacers, I want to see everybody have to go out on their own and see. Because crews and pacers is an advantage to local runners, mm-hmm. elite people who are sponsored and therefore can get that, and rich people. Because if I can afford to fly my friend to the race, I can afford to fly my friend to the race. You can't. You can't. you got to do it on your own. I would just – now, so there's that. And then there's also just I would love to see if everyone had to do it totally on their own. Like, sure, the people will cheer on the sideline, but you don't get to go have your special group encourage you. When you get in your hole and your pit of doom, you can either, because you can get aid station people to help you, but you got to, like, pick yourself up and try. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's not, I would love to see people with nobody who really knows them and their personal preferences, like picking them back up and putting them back on the course. That'd be fun to see. This would be a fantastic conversation for next week's Voss Talks that we'll be doing. <laughs> our live call-in show. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Always looking for strong opinions on that show. <laughs> Controversial. So. No, I mean, everyone should do what they love. I don't like 24s, yeah. but I'll pace mm-hmm. friends down. And for all that I say that, I've sat in a tent all night and paced different laps of a 24 mm-hmm. because I have a friend that's super mm-hmm. into that. And that's my friend. Mm-hmm. But then she's like, well, come run one of them. I'm like, no. But you're there all night. <laughs> yes, because you're my friend and I love you and I support what's important to you. But no, I don't want to do that. That's that's horrible. I don't know how you do it. Well, why do you come? You're my friend, and I love you. So like, you could it could be both ways. Mm-hmm. I can think it's silly, but I can also love other people and care about them and respect that. There's plenty of people who think what I do is insane and silly. It's all good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they want. That's that's a fair point. Um, it certainly reminds me of my sister coming to crew me for races and still just being like so out of it and not caring about the culture. Just being like, yeah, you know, you're there, so I'll show up. Oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. exactly. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so with that said, um, Lee, you mentioned that crude and supported races, um, one of the people that it benefits is rich people and that you, you know, mentioned, you know, flying all your friends out to these races. Do you think, and maybe this is a, another strong controversial opinion that should be on Vostok's, do you think that if you're asking somebody to come out to crew for you for a race, that they should have to pay for plane tickets, hotels, anything that's like that? I never ask anybody. Okay. Because I'm, 
do not know. And um, no, I take that back. I asked mm -hmm. one friend once in like 2014, I did the slam for my fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh hundreds. Mm -hmm. And I did basically a friend said, do Leadville. And I said, no, it's road. It's a stupid course. And he said, but well, original hundreds, what if you get the slam? I had one, one ticket in the Western States lottery. And I was like, oh yeah, well, in front of the home running group at a Western States lottery party. Oh, well, if I get picked, I'll just do the slam. Then I'll run Leadville with you. Whatever. I've been drinking. And guess what happened? Got a bit on one ticket. Couldn't back out. Had to do it. So I did get a friend to pace me Wasatch. And um, I did help out with that. But he actually did want to also come out. He was like also an ultra runner and wanted to. Mm -hmm. A couple other times, like I've had someone pace me was they lived in the area of the race and were like, oh, hey, I want to come run some of that course. You don't use pacers. I was like, well, you want to come run with me. Come run with me. What do you need? I don't need anything. I can't pace you. I'm like, you, you can come to the aid station and run to the finish next to me. It'll be super <laughs> fun. We'll hang out. I don't need anything. Because like I put things in my drop bags prepared for that. So I don't, mm -hmm. I don't know. Here's what I think. You have a marriage or marriages or whatever situation you have. There's people that are poly. There's people that are monogamous. There's people that do what they do. There's people that are asexual. What's best? You, you figure out the thing that makes you happy. So you and your friend, you got to sort that out. I don't think there's a right and wrong on that. I think you better have an open conversation with your people so that mm -hmm. you both know what the expectations are so that nobody's unhappy. Otherwise you'll wreck your friendship over a whole bunch of huge, stressful situation. And that would suck, you know, cause friendships are cool. I don't think there's a right mm -hmm. and wrong. I actually really dislike when people get in really heated arguments about what you should do, because I feel like it's up to you, your friendship, mm -hmm. your pacers, your crew, y'all sort that out. Cause people have all these opinions on that. Mm -hmm. I want to see some races ban all of it just cause I think it would be entertaining to see what happens to some of the people that I've met that are getting weighted on hand and foot when they can't mm -hmm. have that, whether they'll actually still have the nerve to show up and whether it will affect their race or whether they maybe don't need as much as they think they need. So that's a curiosity, yeah. but that's totally separate from that's when you and your crew, y'all sort it out. I don't care. That's up to you. That's like what you and your wife have as an arrangement or you and your husband or you and whoever that's, I got enough to keep my own life in order. Uh, I don't I mean, maybe your maybe your crew is coming out because they're rich and they just mm -hmm. want to spend some money to go be involved in the ultra scene, but they don't actually want to have to run a hundred. I don't know. There's people that do that, like they get off mm -hmm. on crewing. That's their thing. Like it's a sport for them. I don't get it, but I also don't get that Canadian sport where you slide the thing on the ice. But it's a thing. <laughs> no, it's a, seriously. It's in the Olympics. No, I, I, I know. Just your your description of it really got me there. <laughs> <laughs> it, that's. What do you call that? Curling. It's curling. <laughs> that. Curling. Yes. I just want to call it something else. <laughs> it's like ironing. Where you yeah. let go. Yeah. Like, I don't let go of my iron, though. I, mean, <laughs> I don't. Yeah, usually that stays in my hand. But yeah, it's ironing where you let go. You just. <laughs> but then you have the like people sweeping in front of it. <laughs> I'm confused about that part, but. I, I frankly, I don't know what it does either, but I'm confused by golf. I, yes. So golf's fine. I've never tried. It's more about drinking um, than it is about playing golf. At least for me. I, I did do Frisbee golf where you throw the Frisbees. Mm -hmm. And actually they, they did drink some, they did other things also at the Frisbee golf. 
the people were always high at the frisbee golf. That sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah, that, I would say that that sounds pretty par for the course. <laughs> no uh, pun intended. I mean, it's slowly going legal everywhere. I think it's okay to mention the people I met that were doing the frisbee golf were very fans of being high. Very. Mm-hmm. But also frisbee people too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know why certain sports have that as like part of the sport. I couldn't do that at ultra running. All good. Like I've hung mm-hmm. out with Avery Collins. That dude can do stuff high. I will be sitting on the side of the mountain, enjoying the hell out of the view, not running. <laughs> not running at all. But, you know, there's people that can run high. Go them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I drink whiskey and run, and there's people mm-hmm. that don't do that, so I don't judge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, or- also, I didn't know there were hills in Alabama. That was the other thing about Blood Rock. When I originally signed up with her idea, I didn't look mm-hmm. at the race at all. I went, Blood Rock, oh, look, that's a super cool buckle. Mm-hmm. You see, it's super cool. Yes. <laughs> oh, it's a super cool buckle. There is actually a Blood Rock on the course. Did you know that? No. Did not see that, no. So the course goes up this hill. There's a mountain bike trail. And the mountain mm-hmm. bike trail goes way down, way down, way down. I would love to take my mountain bike there because I think that I would get broken. And there's this rock that sticks out of the side, but it's right after a corner, so you can't see it. And it sticks like two feet out into the way of things. So if you take the wrong line, you're going to hit it. And people have spray painted it red. And also there's stains on it because people hit this rock. It's the blood rock because it causes a lot of bleeding and fractures. But it's embedded in the side of the hill and the way it's loaded, they can't dig it out. So it's the blood rock. So there's an actual blood rock. And there were mountain bikers coming down in the afternoon when I passed it, and they pointed it out to us and told us why. So that was super cool. But also, it's Alabama. So she was like, oh, originally, this was supposed to be her first 100. She planned her whole year. It was going to be her first 100. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I could use another 100 of my year. December, Alabama. Oh, that'll be a flat, easy 100. That's probably just going to be like little groomed things. It'll be like the Mark Twain show. It'll be great. Sure. Sign up. Don't read anything. Did not look at a single course description or even photo of the trail until the week before and even then negligibly. So also, didn't, didn't look at all, really. No. There's so, actually hills oh, and rocks. Technical. Like, I think I it's like, like the glaciers receded oh, and they left this mm-hmm. giant ridge of rocks. It's beautiful. So at what point did you, did you go, oh shit, when you realized that there was a lot of hills? <laughs> oh, but okay, but, but it's medium hills. That's 25,000 feet of gain. That's not horrible. Like, Orcas is like that. So I've done, like, Cruel Jewel twice, Hellbender three times, Orcas Island three times. Like, those things all have hills. I actually, I prefer courses. Like, like I'm not a fast runner. But when you get a course like Blood Rock, it, it's just, it's kind of fair game. It's it's, it's not about who's fast anymore, you know. It's, I, That's true. I like technical courses like this one. Yeah, your fast half marathon time will do you no good at Blood Rock. Right. It will probably hurt you. Yeah. It will probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. Running fast is problematic there. Yeah. yeah. So I don't, I don't particularly enjoy the flat stuff. So stuff like this, like, like you say, like the one we want to do in February, also technical. Like I, I like the technical courses. Actually, I think it's the same amount of game. Like, yeah, I think there was a little more climb than I was anticipating on this one. That's for sure. But I um, think we have a hundred. We have a hundred k in May that has, I think, eighteen thousand feet of gain in a hundred k. <laughs> yeah. That's really great. So yeah, I guess we, we like this. So it wasn't. 
too appalling to find out how it actually was. Okay. And so um, with kind of all that said, then for each of y'all, what was your happiest moment out there on the course? Finish. Finish. Okay. Mm -hmm. I think, right. I mean, there was, yeah, I mean, it was, it was a fun race, but yeah, I think just getting there, like, especially for me, like being out there for so long and having such a, a long last seven miles, definitely it was, it was just a, a great finish. And, and I think for both of us too, it was, it's just been, um, like I said, with the COVID and the things like we haven't been getting out to train. We haven't been getting to do that as much, just getting out and running in, in general. So I think getting to that finish line and, and knowing that we made it and, you know, both of us got there that it was, um, it was nice to just have that relief of like, Oh, you know, this, this was a decent race. Like it wasn't, it wasn't another DNF, like, you know, so that, yeah, I mean, it was fun as the whole race was, I think just that getting there and having a decent race, even though we didn't get the training in that we wanted, was a really good feeling. So we got another chat question coming at you from Wesley Harden, and he wants to know what gravitates you both to such hard hundreds, um, and does it does it make the finishing more rewarding? I don't understand the question. <laughs> what what like makes you gravitate towards the harder, more difficult, or challenging those, races? Those are the technical. Most, those, fun those are more fun ones. Why is that those, more fun? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think like, yeah. I think, like, those are the fun ones. But kind of like I was like for me, like I was saying, the more technical, uh, not up, I struggle with. That's my weakness as a runner. But technical, technical down, I would say I can do above average. So for me, I gravitate towards courses like this, kind of like I was saying, because then it's it's more of a fair game. Kind of anybody can anybody could win. It's not about who has the fastest marathon time anymore. With the the hundreds, they're considered easy. Yeah, you could have you could. Have it's still your who who runs the fastest marathon. You could you could be able to, to run an eight minute mile. You could have a struggle, real struggle, running an eight minute mile. But if you train right, you can still have a very good chance of doing well at some of the blood rock. Also, if you finish blood rock, everyone's impressed. Did you finish it? Yes, I finished it. No one's like, oh, like with a marathon or even an easy one. Oh, what was your time? Everyone's like, you finished that. Oh shit, yeah, good mean, on you. Like. It's no, it's no longer even about your time. Well, it becomes about like grit and mm -hmm. strength. Like it's it's no longer about speed, and that's what I love. Willingness about. to hallucinate yeah, like, and crawl. Uh, like I was like, a fat kid in high school, you know. And it, the, the track girls were the worst, you know. The nasty blonde haired, blue eyed track girls. I think I was just telling, trying to explain this to somebody where it's like probably some of those girls could still beat me at a marathon. Probably a lot of them could, but I don't think any of them could finish blood drop. And so it, I think that's the appeal of something like that. It's it's it becomes more about mental strength than just who runs fastest. And that's what I like. I don't know if you and they're fun. Like it's just mostly they're they're, fun. they're not boring. Like you're just constantly being challenged and, and stimulated. I guess they're, they're mostly fun. I ran. Yeah. I ran. A, I tried to run a flat hundred at Yeti, and I had a DNF, and I it couldn't run right for a month. And I had to PT because I had a partial Achilles tear. So I tried to run fast for too long in a row. I realized since that I could train appropriate to the race, but I don't like running flat on road. Like there's folks that, you know, the people that they're like, Oh shit. And then they do laps of the parking lot because their watch says that they haven't hit an even um, number. The people that mm -hmm. have the CEO, 
My friends that have it told me it's not called OCD. It's called CDO because it's alphabetical. You have to put the, they explained it. I don't understand. But they have, they run parking lot laps. And this is okay. This is okay. <laughs> road runners. And my friends are like, no, I run trails. I'm like, uh, what's your last, what's your marathon PR? Instant answer. Yeah, I know what mine is. Never run a road marathon. Don't know. They're road runners. They're road runners that come out on the trails and visit us. And that's okay. I'm a trail runner that occasionally visits road running friends. I ran a road four miler. I was in pain the whole entire time. It's definitely an interesting challenge. But no, I, I think I think it's a different type of challenge and it's down to personal preference. And it's definitely not because it's harder, it's because it's more enjoyable to me. Like I really, really like being way out in the woods on brand new trails and seeing views and climbing up and down stuff. It makes me happy. It's funny that you said that about the watch clicks. Tonight we went for a run and it came up to point nine seven and when I saw it was point nine seven I wanted to get the point zero three, but I knew you'd make fun of me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even I'm, know what my watch is right now. I would have made fun of you. Yeah, I know, I you know, that's, why, that's why it's point nine seven on on, on Strava. <laughs> Carmel, I'm glad you brought that up because I was feeling quite embarrassed about running uh, back and forth down the alley behind my apartment today to get that big flat. Don't let her think you feel small. Don't let her do it. <laughs> no, I just don't relate to it. No, it's okay. I just don't relate mm -hmm. to it. Yeah. I don't. I mean, there's guys that mm -hmm. can tell you, there's, and there's women, there's people that can tell you their exact one rep max for a list of weightlifting exercises, some of which, if I try to explain, I won't even be using the term correctly. I mean, they're power clean versus they're clean and jerk versus they're, I don't, the, the things. There's things. Mm -hmm. And this is very important to them. And I don't know my numbers for that. I have no earthly idea. Teach their own. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know. Whatever makes them happy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just the, the, the very highly technical courses in the mountains make me super, super, like I was happy almost this whole race. Like there were some moments where I had some physical discomfort, mm -hmm. but I did not have any tearfulness. Like I was happy pretty much the whole race. There were a couple of minutes when I just felt really tired, but overall, or really cold. There was one time I did some acrobatics to avoid going, <laughs> but I was happy almost entirely the whole time. And that's usually the case that I'm happy almost the whole time. Like I don't really want to quit. I generally really enjoy being out in the woods a lot and trails that do that. Like left to my own devices to go pick a hiking or jogging around, I'll always pick the one that's ridiculous. And if I don't get my miles, I don't care. I don't actually know my exact miles per week. I know my exact workouts. The tire toe is returning because hilly races in, in the spring. And this could have been done faster. My climbing is a little bit reduced because we live in Ohio. Mm -hmm. And we have a technique which I've used to train for mountain races and things like Cruel Jewel. You take the car tire. Do you want to know about this? Yeah, I'm yes, very of interested. course. Right, so you take, you take a car we, tire. Okay. Drill a hole through the middle of it. Mm -hmm. Like the, the not the sidewall, but like the part that would be on the pavement. Mm -hmm. You have to drill a guide hole, otherwise, because steel belted radials. You make a little guide hole and they make a bigger hole, and then you put an eye bolt through it and screw the bolt on, and then you tie eight feet of rope to it and attach it to either a backwards weightlifting belt or your internal frame pack, and then you just jog. And it bounces along the sidewalk behind you. And just once a week, you just do this, and you work up to like six or seven miles with this. It's just slow jog. And then you, because you have to, if you carry weight on your body, you put your knees at risk if, unless you have a super strong posterior chain, but also you're just pounding. Whereas with the tire, you have to lean forward, which is the body angle of going uphill, right? Because You know what I mean? Like I have to actually, yeah. especially with the pack with the chest strap, I have to actually angle my body forward to make myself keep going because the tire is dragging. 
eight feet behind me. So you have to lean forward and then it bumps stuff and bounces unpredictably, which is kind of like when you're running hard and your foot hits a thing and your foot moves and you didn't want it to. So it makes you work your core and your stabilizers. I'm gonna certainly do some cross training for those. But so it, it's very comparable to having to, and then it makes it hard to breathe. So it's very comparable to having to go up like a five or six mile climb. Huh. So like that, that's very helpful for things like the bear. Like I did high lonesome while living here and it went pretty decent. And uh, a couple of races out west that are like that. And it definitely, so you want to tow a tire behind you. And for oh, something big. that's technical, sure, you're not dealing with altitude, but you're dealing with the unsteady footing makes you use twice as much muscle because you're using mm -hmm. all these little accessory muscles. Like you might not be taking a big step or having trouble breathing, but you have to use half your stabilizers that you wouldn't have to use on a smooth trail. More muscles means more oxygen demand. So if you're used to towing this damn tire around with this thing compressing your chest, uh, so the footing's unstable. Get a wobble board, strengthen your ankles, and then you're going to be used to that from that once a week of jogging with the tire. It's all easy. Now the tire jogging, very boring. So what we do is we do it at this cool park with where people go to walk to their after work walks, and they all think we're completely insane. <laughs> it's a very and it's in like a populous hip neighborhood with bars around it, and so people cheer, people yell, people take pictures of us in video for their personal Facebooks when we do this, and also then we drink beer after. So you have to invite friends and have a reward system. And then it's pretty good. So it's still some suffering, but so tire there's definitely tired coming back. Tire Tuesday. Tire Tuesday. <laughs> so how big of a tire is it supposed to be? Because when you first said tire, I was thinking like those ones that those strength guys flip. And I'm like, there's no way you're running with that. <laughs> like a regular so car size tire? It depends or how big you are. Like I have one friend that has like actually a spare tire from a car, mm -hmm. like a donut. Mm -hmm. Because okay. she weighs 112 pounds and is like five foot two. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. I had a buddy that he's like, I think he's all legs. So he weighs like 180 at like 5'10 mm -hmm. and has one of the upper body, but quads, like quads. Like I think his quad and my waist are almost the same size. So he has like a pickup truck tire. But, you know, he has to lean his body forward at that weight. Mm -hmm. I have just a regular car tire. So you definitely want to start a little smaller and take walk breaks at first. And if you don't mm -hmm. do any dynamic core stuff, not a static plank, but like a dynamic core, do that. Because, you know, keep your back healthy. If it makes your back hurt, stop doing it until you can get stronger to stabilize. You know, if you're getting back pain from an exercise, you're either doing it wrong or you are lacking core strength or both. Fix it because don't get injured. Because you could injure mm -hmm. yourself. Like joint pain is not a good sign. If all of your muscles hurt and it hurts to breathe, you're doing it right. If you have joint pain in your hips or knees, or especially in your low back, you got to go and see PT. You got to do some dynamic core because don't get yourself wrecked. Because don't rupture discs. It's no fun. I've done it. Not because of the tire, because of other dumb sports. This Ultra running is not my first sport. This is my sport now because I have to have a calmer, gentler, kinder sport because I'm not, I can't do really contact sports anymore, ever. Just concussions and things. Many things. No more contact sports. <laughs> I don't even have words. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> This tire thing is the greatest yeah, thing I've heard yeah. in such a long time. I would say, I think Tire Tuesday belongs on a t-shirt if it isn't already. Um, we'll have to oh, give this a shot and make a video for y'all. If, yeah. if, if we recruit our Run Club friends, they'll make sure they're super into doing that. Oh, they probably could. Yeah. Sorry, what was your question? Is that... <laughs> We're gonna, was talking. He no. wants to make a video. Yeah. We want to come down and shoot you guys... Uh, well, I would probably be better if like me, you and Wesley did it, but um, that might be a little difficult for us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you I don't can know walk if, 
You can yeah. you walk for some. You could do mm-hmm. it. No, and what's amazing, I like to do so if you do like a few miles with the tire on, what's amazing mm-hmm. is when you take the tire off, I like to do a lap after that because then you just mm-hmm. feel like you know, like it's just you, yeah. feel, you feel like you're flying. Then you're just oh, I'm going so fast. I mean, you're not really. I don't think <laughs> like it feels. It like, feels like you are. It feels amazing. No, that's like, training stuff like that. If you just do it once a week, it's amazing how fast. Like, I think a lot of people just try to grind out miles to get the number. In mm-hmm. I don't really. So like obviously on the day that I do Tire Tuesday, I could do a slow 15 on trail for the mm-hmm. same amount of muscle soreness that I'm mm-hmm. getting from doing six miles towing the tire around the park. So my total weekly mileage is lower. I'm not going to hit some year goal. I'm not going to hit my right street, but mm-hmm. I'm going to be a lot stronger. So you just got to decide what your priority is. I think some mm-hmm. folks training with their main thing instead of instead of training to race. The training things are actually their their goals, mm-hmm. which is completely okay. But I think mm-hmm. it's important to pause and decide what your goal is. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. I, I, I will say that, like, as of a year ago, my longest distance was a half marathon. And when we were started, like, training together, I, I kept thinking, oh, we're not doing enough. We're not going We're not going far enough. But, um, yeah, we never had that high volume of weeks. Like, I think, I think the highest we did was, like, 75. But I think we mostly kept it around, like, 60-mile weeks but concentrated on the strength training. And I think that paid off a lot more than focusing on the mileage. You know, it's, it's no, but if you're, if you're going for, like, the 24-hour track record, you would need way higher volume. Like, the folks doing that. And well, yeah, well, I guess it's the kind of courses we're doing. But <laughs> you want to do the reason it paid off. I just yeah. don't want to run high volume, and I can't. I'm too injured. I'm too injured, and, like, I have too much chronic damage to be doing super high volume. Hmm. So, no. plus, I don't like it. I'd rather it's, go do multiple time. sports. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's time-consuming. So it's, it's worked out. Like There's other sports. I was... I was a naysayer. I was a disbeliever, but it, it worked out. All right. And so with that said, um, we're going to move on to our quick questions that we usually end the show with. Um, so the first one is, and we may already know the answer to this for Lee, and it's probably going to be whiskey, but what is one thing you can't leave an aid station without? I actually, I actually probably transitioned through most aid stations in 30 mm-hmm. seconds. I don't eat food. Um, so I have, mm-hmm. I, I, I actually, um, I like the whiskey, but I can run the race without it. Mm-hmm. I actually um, usually set up my drop bags to run completely calorie independent and only need them to have water and very rarely eat anything. So I ran blood rock on between 6,500 and 7,000 calories of rock or other, or tailwind, mostly mm-hmm. rock in my water bottle and about 14 or 15 gels, which were rotated between, I think, Spring and Puma and Weir this time. Okay. But yes, I had those lemonade because, mm-hmm. but like I can, I'm tolerant of most brands, although Vanilla Goo, that <laughs> <laughs> had this experience at Hurt that involves some projectile things happening and I can't, I can't, I can't anymore. But other than that, and the consistencies are, but I can tolerate a lot of brands and I can tolerate mm-hmm. most of the powder brands. So I usually put 300 to 350 calories of powder in my water bottle for aid station and mm-hmm. carry gels to backstop the calories. And if I get in dehydrated, I'll just drink a bottle of water before I refill. Mm-hmm. But I'm, usually I have the powder in my water bottle when I show up at the aid station because I finish it off with a half mile to go, tear the end off the baggie from my pocket, dump that in at a jog. 
I get to the aid station, all I have to do is ask them for water out of their pitcher and then I just keep going. So I often transition through aid stations in 20 to 30 seconds. I don't sit down, I don't do much at all unless I have to change socks or shoes, which I, I ran the same shoes this whole race. I changed socks once. So that I had one like four or five minute stop. Other than that, 20 to 60 seconds per aid station usually. I had a two minute stop for a shot at one time because they were super social with me. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's similarly, um, yeah, I'm, I'm vegan and I'm also a picky eater. So I try to just have all my own nutrition mm-hmm. set. I try not to rely on the aid stations, not necessarily knowing what's going to be there. At the bear, I think I ate like 100 peanut butter and jelly sandwiches from the aid stations, though. Like, <laughs> I don't know what came over me, but they all just looked good. So I was all about the peanut butter and jelly that day. Uh but yeah, other than that, I, I try to have um, all of my own stuff for the most part. I'd say sock changes. Like I, because I'm so prone to trench foot, I can't get it ingrained in my head where it's like, I, I in during the <laughs> I'm uh, during the race, it's like I'm always thinking, no, no, I gotta save time, I gotta save time, and it's like logically, I know if I would just change my damn socks and do what I need to do with my feet, that it would shave so much time off the race. But I always just get it in my mm-hmm. head where it's like, no, I'm doing good, and I want to blow through this aid station. So yeah, I mean, I should not leave more aid stations than I need to. Wherever there's a drop bag, I think next time I'm gonna be just trying to like mm-hmm. put socks like all over the course. Like that I mean. Um, I'm just for some some reason just super prone to it, even if it's not a wet course. Like there were there were only a couple of creek crossings at this just, last one. It, it wasn't it wasn't a wet course, but I still got the problem so bad. And when that happened, like it becomes just excruciating, excruciatingly mm. painful to run on. So yeah, I think taking the time to do that. But um, as far as relying on actual aid station amenities, I, I don't. I try not to. So there. Water, water, yeah, yeah, that's a big one. H two O, but yeah. All right. Actually, and... Oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, you go. You guys have been uh, uh, telling great they, stories. They had um, they had an unmanned aid station um, at Blood Rock on a mm-hmm. on a folding table, which is like a water jug. And the mm-hmm. guy in front of me, like it, the one jug ran out, so he was like trying to fill it. And he set it back down on the table, but it wasn't totally balanced. So it tipped over and all the water from uh, the Billy Goat's Gruff spilled all over. So nobody. Look, these are it. very nice people, but they didn't <laughs> think it come through. Nobody had water. I felt so bad. They said, they said a five-gallon jug, like you used to refill a water cooler with. You know what mm-hmm. I'm talking about? Five mm-hmm. gallons. It was 40 pounds. They set it on a folding table on dirt in the woods, unmanned. So you're suppo- I'm supposed to, as, as a runner. I upper body strength trained and everything, but I'm supposed to like, I know you can tilt it, but I can't tilt it by the neck. It's full. When I got there, it was mm-hmm. completely full. But the, 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 the one that you could use that was already, that was actually a regular like spigot one was empty because mm-hmm. they'd had a four gallon spigot control one that was empty. So I was going to have to hold the thing in my arm and lean it to fill mm-hmm. my own water because I, because I have to fill my water bottle. I can't set it on the ground. I mean, we fixed it after that, but yeah, I felt so bad because the people after us had no water. Like the jug well, me and then there was, rolled there was, down in the creek and I went and got it. But I she was like five, one and a half <laughs> and like all of one ten. And like, so you're supposed to, and Jamila, Jamila is that size too. Like you got yeah, women in this race are like five, two, you got a 40 pound, five gallon jug with well, no handle. You're supposed to tilt it. So and without that aid station, you're going 11 miles with no water. Yeah, it was horrible. Thank God, it was, was cold. Like, mm-hmm. I was like, I'll tell them, but it took me like a couple hours to get to the next aid. So it's like, same. 
I mean, you probably know by now. Because I was like, hey, have one of your volunteers, have one of your girl volunteers pick up that jug right there, put it on the table. I felt guilty every time I was, like, taking a sip of my water for that whole stretch because I was just thinking about the people behind me with, like, no water. I couldn't refill, but it was cold out. Yeah. And I was like, and I was also mad because I have a Catadin B-Free and I have water purification tablets, which I carry when I do races that say there will be long gaps. This race listed like they were going to definitely have everything supplied and everything had road access and it would be no problem. But they're yeah. very nice people. Artie's yeah, great. Yeah, yeah. I don't I want mean, to say anything bad about yeah, them. Yeah, well, but like they definitely, and pandemic. Fixed, pandemic leaves everyone short of volunteers. Yeah. So I think they were short volunteers because pandemic and usually have someone there. And every race is having trouble getting volunteers because so many of the volunteers are family members or they're people that have families mm-hmm. and they cannot run this risk of, of picking something up. So mm-hmm. it's definitely... Races are short volunteers right now. Yeah, well, when I went through so that time, kind of just, they had a totally different setup. Though. Oh, because so they, 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 yeah, they, well, they, yeah. they set it up for us to get. But I, I did out. feel bad. It wasn't dangerous. It was just for us. No, yeah. I mean, they had to go quite a bit. With yeah, that I had to, I had to actually go low on calories and a bunch of gels and ketchup. That was my one spot where I got low on calories because I couldn't do my powder. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But we all survived. Yeah. It's. know. So hallucinations i think we talked about these a little bit but what are your best or worst hallucinations that you may have had not just this race just all together yeah i mean this for me was my first time really experiencing it at the bear uh, the only thing that i've ever come close to like really having that like at the bear it was like the middle of the night and i really wanted to be at the aid station and i thought i heard the aid station and saw the lights through the trees and then I tripped on a rock and had like the biggest wipeout I've ever had. And when I got up, I looked and it was like, there's no aid station. There's nothing there, but that's it. Like, so this for me was just crazy. Like, you know, I've heard about people hallucinating, but for me, this was just, this things. was, <laughs> yeah, this was next level with like the unicorns. And the leaves Do you remember and I had the picture of grandma the talking to me and everything? Do you um, remember I kept showing you around the pictures and the grandma with the rock with the comic and there was nothing on it? Oh, yeah, yeah. There was a comic and I couldn't read the comic printed on the rock because I thought it was my vision. So I took a picture of it with my cell phone because I had my cell phone in my pocket because the course was on um, one of those apps. I had the GPX so in case. So I took my phone out and I took a picture because I was, I was thinking about the comic on the rock and the fact that I could read it later because you can enlarge it on your phone screen. There's no comic, but there was a rock. When I show my friends the picture mm-hmm. later, at least there was a rock. That is, no. well, yeah, I've had some weird. Well, there, was, there was one point too where I was like, oh my God, what's that? And I thought it was this old woman with a cauldron and teacher's like, what? And I'm like, oh no, it's just a stump. But then she looked at it and she was like, oh, it does kind of look like an old woman with a cauldron. So that meant no better. It was a stump that looked like an old woman with a cauldron. But uh, I mean, she saw it too. So. Oh, wait. Is any, do you know what a triple is? Does anyone know what triples are? Triples. I, I don't believe so. No. Okay. Do you know what original Star Trek is? I do not. I hate to break it to you. Star Trek? Star more of a, Trek. I'm more of a Star Wars person. I really haven't watched Star Trek in you know a long Star time. Trek, you know of it. Yes. Triple, which are like guinea pigs, except they're rounder and fuzzier, and they reproduce like gremlins. Ooh, gremlins. And they exist like. in, in, in. So when I was running Tahoe Rim Trail, I was trying to get up that climb between 80 and 82, and there were triples, and they were all over the ski slope, and I could see them. And there were a bajillion of them, and they were squeaking like triples do. And I suddenly realized they were triples, and so I knew that I was hallucinating. I was like, oh, I'm just asleep. I knew. I wasn't delirious, I was just dreaming. So I took out one of those clip, the crack gels, those double mm-hmm. espresso gels that are like, and I ate it and I still couldn't see. So I sat on one of those drainage cut throughs 
Mm-hmm. And I woke up later. But I never, t- like, I zipped my jacket up and ate the crash up because I thought at least, you know, I have my jacket zipped with my hood up. I won't freeze. And I meant to turn my light off, but I apparently did not. And I thought I just sat down to rest because that's the last thing I remember. And then I could hear voices. And I hear these people talking. And I hear this guy go, oh, what is that? What What's on the hill? He's a runner, but he's got a pacer with him. But I didn't know. Like, I'm asleep. But I, you know when you're, like, drunk, sleepy, and you're trying to wake up, but you can't, but you can hear your friends talking? This was that state of mind. Lying there on the hill, and I hear him. And then I think, oh, no, the tribbles are real. But it's some kind of local rodent. They're real. And then I hear this woman go, one foot in front of the other. Just keep going. You're fine. And I think, oh, good. And then I hear her go, oh, shit. And I think in my mind, oh, God, I'm going to die. And I think I can feel rodents on me. I start trying to sit up. But I can't because I'm asleep. I'm, like, trying to make myself sit up and wake up. And it turns out what's happened is that she's realized also what's going on, which is that I fell asleep with my rain jacket on with the hood over my light. And so I look like a glow because of the drainage cut through. It's a ski hook. It's a, that's a ski hill. It's part of the Tahoe Ski Resort. So all they can see is the glow, but she realizes that glow has to be a person passed out on the hill. So that's why she says, oh, shit. But he got to me first. So he's like thinking I'm a dead body because he's delirious. Grabbed a hold of me. Mm-hmm. I sat up and screamed because something was touching me and I thought I was going to die of rodents covering me. And he screamed because he thought I was a dead body and I sat up. And we both almost fell all the way down the hill and then she made us both sit down and have another job. <laughs> that was cool. And then one time it... Um, Black Hills 100. I was hallucinating when I was watching her. Hey, give me a beer. This is the best and weirdest, and I shouldn't tell you this story. It's extremely objectionable. Don't let your children listen to this. I was near the end of uh, Black Hills, the year that it had really bad air quality, and half the race dropped at 42. And I hung in. I actually won that one. It was super cool. But it was coming back the next morning, and I was watching this weird internet porn. Weird. And this couple's having sex. And I can't tell if there's a third person. And then I can't figure out if I'm in the porn or watching the porn. And then I realize I'm in the porn. Like the perspective keeps shifting. So I'm watching, and then I'm watching for a while and I keep ending up being in the porn. And this goes on like for a while. This is like 10 a.m. Yeah, I warned, no, I warned them. (laughs) So I'm watching this and I get super confused about the roles. And I don't even know which person I'm gender wise. Like I got. I was like, I started, and then I started realizing that I couldn't figure out which person I was, and that that didn't make sense. Like, I should at least know what delicates I have. <laughs> and then I realized, shit, I've fallen asleep. This must be the listening. So then I woke up, and I realized I'm standing on these amazingly beautiful cliffs. There's the sun, but then now I'm turned on because I've been watching porn for the last 15 damn minutes. So then, like, I look around the trail. There's no one. So I had to like withdraw myself off the trail onto the rocks. And resolve matters, which took about five minutes because there's already body glide and everything. Is successful in five minutes flat. Did you please? Record, I won. Record for satisfying myself during a race because of an in race hallucination. Ran the race out with the most like 16 miles to go. And that is the single, single weirdest, craziest thing that has ever happened to me. Okay, that's not entirely true. But the weirdest thing is hallucination. Wow. I've also been I got shut down and I got stuck overnight in a weird refuge somewhere. But that was a whole different, not a hallucination. That really happened. Yeah, that's my weirdest hallucination story. Black Hills 100. 
<laughs> that's that's just Hall of Fame right there. That'll never get top. I mean, I was I was in, I was amazed. It's weird, <laughs> really weird. But I still remember. I remember. I actually remember what I was watching on the porn as well as I remember the view from the Overlook. Like they're almost even images in my head. Yes, <laughs> but there's still not people I know. Like it's not. I don't even watch the porn. It's not even a porn I've ever seen. Like it's not like some favorite memory porn. Super weird. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry, John. I know I'm supposed to have questions. <laughs> I think you've killed Cam. <laughs> I, just, I can't. You done? Well, no. I mean, you run in a hundred. All the things happen. I just, I just love that we've gone from um, on this show. We because we, we had um, Arlen Glick's shit story on this. I don't know if you heard about that, but it's a good episode to go watch. Where he had to there's so much pooping at all exit yeah. really quickly because he couldn't make it to the next porta potty on the side of the canal <laughs> corridor towpath. I had I had to do eleven this. of those at Leadville. I had to go eleven separate times over Hope Pass, the two different ways off the trail because of emergencies. It was that was when I learned about altitude and GI issues. I've since rectified the problems. Hmm. <laughs> Learn something new. Cam's dead. I'm Cam's dead. I'm resolved it quick. Karen, you okay over there? Yeah, I'm doing. I'm gonna. I just. I'm gonna be back to normal in a minute. I promise. And it's funny. We were gonna transition to like our the. I think the that last only piece. happens to women, though. No, like I've talked to guy friends, and I think like blood flow just goes away from that when you're a guy. I, you but know, I've never women. experienced that. Yeah, I, I, I can say I've never had a desire on the trail to. <laughs> it's different. Oh, like, yeah, this, I think this is just a, like a difference in delicates. I mean, I've also never shaved my balls. I think that's because of no balls. <laughs> the different blood flow things. Yeah, <laughs> that's well. Maybe you should run. Case of emergencies. <laughs> Well, I guess I'm, I'm good on that. Right, quicker. Plus, I don't think it's quicker. Oh, like, it's quicker. Wow. You don't think it's quicker by yourself sometimes? It's not as enjoyable, but like it's quicker if you're trying to get into the race. The goal is pleasure. <laughs> you're, the goal is you're trying to play. Just get it out of the way and keep going, right? I'm really offended right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't touch me. No. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I okay. So, one last question, and we'll let you go. We want to thank y'all again so much for coming on the show tonight. Um, y'all have been great guests. Um, but so, what is your dream race or ultimate goal race? The one you want to do the most of any right now? Tour de Géant. And diagonal to foo. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we yeah, talked yeah, yeah. about doing that one last year. We have like a weird system, right? It was. We'll figure it out. Yeah, we're gonna get in that. Yeah, I would say that's that's definitely out there. But Tortoise is just stupid. Have you heard of Tortoise mm -hmm. I have. I don't know if John has. Literally, it's two hundred and six miles, mm -hmm. no stages, eighty thousand feet of gain. Yeah. But you get six days. But there's no stages. Sleep one in if you want. People mm -hmm. stay awake for three days in a row. But Diagonal Defu is on an island off the coast of Madagascar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that 
appeals and has 52 hour time limit because apparently it's that's kind of tight <laughs> Ooh, but but yeah sabrina stanley just won it like in mm -hmm. 19 she's first american to ever win it which is amazing and now i'm super motivated but i will not win it but i'll have a super good time but i looked at her time and what she said about it and um we chat about once and i could definitely do it like 10 or 11 hours slower yeah, I mean, I, that, I definitely want to do that one as well. I mean, I stopped even looking at the international race because it's so painful right now. I mean, we were supposed to go to Romania in May and Thailand in October. And, but for now, it's, it's just better to not even look at them. I mean, I'm hoping that 2021. We're both going to get priority back. Yeah, hopefully, hopefully with 2021, we'll nice. be able to travel again. But yeah, I, mean, yeah, I think it's, it's going to be more international. Yeah, you're just going to have to present your proof of vaccination and then let you travel. But I, I, like I said, I stopped, I stopped even scoping. I'll be in the January. Just, like, who, who knew how long it was going to be before we could go international again? So, but yeah, I, yeah, I mean, we're going to. For starters, it, it will just be nice to do the ones we were supposed to do in 2020. Like, Get back to Transylvania 100 and Romania. Transylvania 100K. 100K? It has a 24-hour time limit because it has 18,000 feet of gain and is more technical than Blood Rock. We had the whole trip planned. So, it, yeah, hopefully we'll get to do that in 2021. And uh, maybe, I don't know, who decided we want to do Thailand since that got canceled. What was that? I don't even remember what the other one was called. But it, yeah, yeah, so the... The international stuff, I think, is the Once the a year. stuff. Yeah. Sadly, Ronda Del Sims fell because of pandemic. They canceled and got death threats. People are douchebags. And so now there's no more Ronda Del Sims. But that's okay because people putting on the race are going to bring back something new in the same area soon. Hmm. It's in the, hmm. in, the, in the Pyrenees, which is super cool. Otherwise, we just have to go hmm. around, um, what do you even call it, uh, Ultra Trail of Hunmalak, uh, Northern Spain. Yeah. I want to run one international <laughs> race year. It's my new life goal. One a year, I did one or two. A year. I did. I did all. Oh, ultra trail. I did ultra trail Cape Town last year. Mm -hmm. I got my first DFL of life. Now I was sick, but good God, that's a hard course. Our notion of technical here is just silly. Blood Rock is not technical. People need to travel some because Blood Rock. I'm here to tell you, go do like the Pyrenees or go do something like Ultra Trail Cape Town. Compared to Ultra Trail Cape Town, holy shit. Like there's non-technical runnable sections and there's a lot of them, but the technical sections. Oh my God. You couldn't even get it permitted here. And the stuff in the Pyrenees like, Oh yeah, now we're going to do, we're just 200 meter section. That's going to just be all fixed chains where if you let go, you'll probably fall off the mountain and die. So don't let go. <sighs> there's, there's scary stuff out there. There's cause Ronda Del Sims had 33,000 feet of gain in the hundred K in the hundred K. That's the same amount of climb as in Cruel Jewel or Hard Rock, but in mm -hmm. 100 kilometers. Yeah, that's mind-blowing. You just go up I know, the whole time. I know. Which is how it, yeah, so there's also just you have to have perspective. Although there's a yeah. difference between footing issues and just having to scale the side. Mm -hmm. But there's some fun stuff out there. So I just want to have interest in oh, I did one in Colombia that goes in the deepest canyon in South America and the mountains in North Colombia. I did that a couple years ago. That's fun. That was a hundred miles. It took me like 32 hours to get second place. That was some nonsense. This is 112 mm -hmm. degrees the one day. We oh. actually have this like whole dry erase board with like, mm -hmm. <laughs> it had like our 2020, 2021, and then, 2022. And then yeah, we have, we have like a dream. We have, we have like a dry erase board. We wanted to do and It mostly has to do with where we want to travel. Yeah, take them over. Mm -hmm. This is the dry erase board. Field trip. Of the, 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 all the races. <laughs> this is the first ever on Ridge Runners. 
So this is the dry erase. Yeah. yeah. Of like mm-hmm. every- so you see how it's just got like some stuff. Mm-hmm. So this is like the dry erase board of just all of the idiot stuff that we want to run. And it's not even all of it. It's like most of it. We think it's about places stuff. we want to travel and then mm-hmm. try and erase there and just try and mesh it all together. Because I mean, we're big into like yeah, adventure, into running and then into the travel. So we try to just kind of mix it all together so we can do it all. It's all at the same time, all in the same go. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully this vaccine will change mm-hmm. things. We'll be able to travel 2021. That'll be nice. I hope so too. Yep. Cheap car on a cheap house. So, go buy makeup, save money for travel. Mm-hmm. So this is, has has been a absolutely fantastic and wonderful show, and you both have been awesome guests. Um, for our listeners who want to follow you on social media, if you guys, if you have that, would you like to, uh, let us know what that is? If you take part in the socials, my Facebook's, my Facebook's is exactly my name. Mm -hmm. And I I don't know what my Instagram is, but it's linked to my Facebook. And I don't have any of the other, I don't have, what is the, what is the one that all the people have gone to that watch ONN? I don't have the parlor. Is it parlor or parlor? I'm not sure. Oh, I don't don't have that. (laughs) Whatever that is. It's not. Because I'm not, I'm not, I'm as, not up with the time. Oh, so I'm not very right wing. Yeah. But, uh, <laughs> I'm a liberal. But, uh, oh yeah, I'm a liberal. If you want to follow me, I'm. They're probably better off to friend Lee Connor than to try to search Carmelo Larogi and uh, us getting into. Settings. Well, no, I, I mean the the spellings. But if they friend you, then they would find me, because they're not gonna spell Larogi right. I don't think. Or probably Carmel either. So. But mine's my. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm a fairly easy to find Facebook. Editor. Yeah, so, so it's just C. my C. Connor is much simpler, yeah. much simpler to give them that mm-hmm. and then one leads to the other. I, but I don't have any like, I only have my one page. I don't have like a. Oh yeah, yeah, like this. Yeah, no, it's all me. Mm-hmm. You get stuck with whatever dumb sports stuff like this summer. Do you know what Ohio Pile is in Pennsylvania, where you can go whitewater rafting? I have heard of it. I have never been there. Oh, they have class three rapids. Did you know you can do that on a stand-up paddleboard if it's inflatable and you have on a really good helmet? That's not interesting. No. <laughs> we learned that and we got a lot of irrigated sinuses. And we did the new river too on stand-up paddleboards. That's how come we weren't training in summer. We were learning to whitewater stand-up paddleboard. So be advised, there will be many dumb things if you follow us. Yes. All right. Well, we'll put those links in the description below for everyone to follow. I want to thank everyone from Intergeneration joining us tonight in the chat. You all have been great. We'll be back next week. We have uh, three shows next week. Two for sure, right? Yes, two confirmed mm-hmm. 100% shows. Yeah. Um, Boss Talks being on Tuesday. And we hope you all enjoy, and we'll see you all next week on the next episode. So thanks again for joining us, and later, everybody. Ridge Runner Nation, thank you again for tuning in to another Ridge Runners live show. Remember, if you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast on Apple iTunes. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on Apple Podcasts or simply tell a friend about the show. That would help us out as well. If you don't follow us on social media, make sure to give us a follow. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And of course, join our Strava Club so you can get mentioned in the Strava Rundown every single week. We'll see you next week, Rosh Hashanah Nation.